0: If you all can make your way back to your seats, we're going to get started. Thank you so much. And if you could return to your seats and open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18 is going to be our scripture this morning. And I want to wish you all, sir, church, a very Merry Christmas. Hope you're enjoying this Christmas season remembering our Lord Jesus. First Samuel chapter 18 and the title of the message this morning is The True King's True Friend and True Enemy. The True King's True Friend and True Enemy. Let's read First Samuel chapter 18 together in God's word. Please follow along in your Bibles, your phones with me as we read God's word. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. It took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, and gave it to David, and his armor, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. And David went out, and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. As they were coming home, and the context here is right after the battle with between David and Goliath, as they were coming home, when David, returning from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul had struck down his thousands. And David, his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand and Saul hurled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David For he went out and came in before them. And Saul said to David, Here is my elder daughter Merab. I will give her to you for a wife. Only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, Let not my hand be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. And David said to Saul, Who am I and who are my relatives, my father's clan in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? But at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, she was given to Adriel, the Mehololite, for a wife. Now Saul's daughter Michal loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Saul thought, let me give her to him, that she may be a snare for him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore Saul said to David a second time, You shall now be my son-in-law. And Saul commanded his servants, Speak to David in private and say, Behold, the king has delight in you, and all his servants love you. Now then, become the king's son-in-law. And Saul's servants spoke those words in the ears of David. And David said, Does it seem to you a little thing to become the king's son-in-law, since I am a poor man and have no reputation? And the servants of Saul told him, Thus and so did David speak. And then Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desires no bride price except the hundred foreskins of the Philistines, that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. Now Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And when his servants told David these words, It pleased David well to be the king's son-in-law, Before the time had expired, David arose and went along with his men and killed two hundred of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins, which were given in full number to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him his daughter Michal for a wife. But when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michal, Saul's daughter, loved him, Saul was even more afraid of David So Saul was David's enemy continually. Then the commanders of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was highly esteemed. Again, the true king's friend and true enemy. Let's pray together. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you please bless the preaching of your word this morning to our hearts and help our hearts to be ignited with even more love and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to see Christ even in this passage of scripture that deals with David and Jonathan and Saul's relationships and inspire us and move us to everything that is good and right and holy in our conduct toward one another and towards you. We thank you for laying down your life, Jesus, and dying on the cross for us and we, we are so blown away that you would have loved us so much. Thank you for your steadfast love and your faithfulness to us. We are so grateful and so thankful to be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the context here, like I mentioned, is right after the battle between uh, David and Goliath. Right in the section previous, there's a a glorious description of uh, the true king, King David, who had been anointed by Samuel already in private, though it hadn't been publicly acknowledged yet to Israel, the true king, King David, uh, slays Goliath and and holds Goliath's head in his hands before King Saul. And it's a glorious picture of the true king stepping forth to uh, be a fulfillment of the scripture that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent in the glorious gospel. David, we saw last week, is a type of Jesus Christ, and we see in his victories, in his courage, and in his victory on the battlefield over the servant of the serpent, we see King David displaying the character and also the person of Christ in his representation of him as the first king. The dawning of the king takes place here in this context. And I'm so thankful for our Advent series where we're looking at the dawning of the king because we see, we see King Jesus being born in the manger in Bethlehem. We, we need to remember the long history backward that traces all the way back to the very beginning. But, but in terms of the kingly line of Christ, we see that here with King David as he was anointed the true king of Israel from the tribe of Judah by the prophet Samuel. In the previous chapters. And how that came about by way of background, if you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 15, when the Lord rejected Saul, if you look there with me, um in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh verse 28, we we recognize that the Lord had rejected Saul as king for his disobedience in relation to his battle with the Amalekites. Saul disobeyed. God's orders as the king. And he's rejected as king on account of that. Saul really represented the choice of the people. The choice of man. But David is the choice of king from God. That's really the contrast you see. That Saul was man's choice. David is God's choice. A man after God's own heart. And it happens in verse 28 in 1 Samuel 15 when the Lord says, In verse 28, and Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And so this really comes down as the will of God from the Lord to King Saul. He hears it through the prophet himself that it is the will of God that the kingdom be torn away from you and your house, and God has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. It was Saul's duty at that moment to align his heart with the will of God, and to submit to the will of God, and to God's plan, which was now to raise up King David, who was from the tribe of Judah. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, but we know that The king was to come, the true king was to come from the tribe of Judah, which David represents. Saul had an opportunity for real repentance, and Saul had an opportunity to align his heart with the word of the Lord, and even though it was a bitter pill because of his disobedience. And we're going to see this throughout this next section in series, brothers and sisters, where we're looking intently into the life of David, which I'm really looking forward to together with you all. I, I I've been musing a lot on this throughout my, my study of first and second Samuel, and I'm so excited to be in first and second Samuel with you. Just what what might have been? What could have been if Saul would have only humbled himself like we saw David humble himself even in First Samuel 18, where there's numerous instances where we see David's own self-assessment of calling himself a man of no reputation. He just got done slaying Goliath. He's got songs being sung about him from the daughters of Israel, praising him for slaughtering tens of thousands of God's enemies, and and yet he regards himself not very highly. And as the Scriptures teach us, do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought. We see David representing the humility of Jesus Christ, whereas we see Saul as man's choice of king, representing really the pride of man. And we see the way, the bitter fruit that comes about because Saul will not repent and give his heart and bring his heart into alignment with the will of God and submit to the word of God that the Lord has torn the kingdom from him and has given it to a neighbor who's better than him. Immediately, Samuel knew And the house of Jesse knew that if Saul finds out that it's David, he's going to kill this young man. And they didn't trust Saul right from the start, but oh, if only Saul would have submitted to the will of God. The the asset and the blessing that him and Jonathan, his warriors on the battlefield, would have been to the uniting of the kingdoms, the northern tribes and the southern tribes, earlier without... Bloodshed and warfare underneath of King David and what it could have been, but pride prevented it. And we see it here in 1 Samuel chapter 18. The true king is King David. And the true king, King David, has a true enemy that is displayed in the beginning right here in 1 Samuel chapter 18. And brothers and sisters, We're going to see a couple characteristics here of a true enemy and how it manifests itself in the life of David, the true king. He has a man in Saul who has become jealous of him. We see all throughout the Proverbs of how jealousy in the wisdom literature is is a, is a grievous sin and it leads to bitter, bitter fruit. And it all happens while Saul overhears this song about David getting more glory off of the battlefield than him. He had an opportunity here to just say, hey, you know what? Yeah, this young man went out to fight Goliath and not me. And he is worthy of this praise. He could have entered into the praise of David, but instead he recognized that David was being praised greater than him and he took offense at it. This is all going on in his heart. And so brothers and sisters, we've got to recognize that there's, there's things that are applicable here to us as we are living out our lives. We have to constantly keep a close watch on our own lives and doctrine. Pay close attention to your lives and doc- doctrine closely because as you look in your own heart and you see a uh, sinful comparison taking place between a brother or a sister and you, and there's a sense of them being greater or acknowledged as greater than you, there's a moment there where you can either humble yourself and enter in to the praise in that moment or you can allow your heart to give itself over to jealousy and you can become an enemy to that person even privately rather than a true friend like God calls us to be. It starts here with jealousy. He had brought David in close but when he heard the song sung there was something that just turned his heart And the praise of another revealed Saul's wicked heart. And so brothers and sisters, let us pay careful attention to jealousy in our lives. It can destroy relationships. It can wreak havoc and division in the life of a local church and wreak havoc on its unity. When even one man or one woman gives themselves over to Sinful jealousy. It can burn like a fire and it can destroy. And it begins in the heart. And we see that that jealously, that jealousy transformed King Saul into a true enemy. To where as you see the text progress throughout 1 Samuel chapter 18, we get all the way over to verse 29. Look at that verse together again with me, please. Saul, was even more afraid of David. So Saul was David's enemy continually. There's a progression throughout 1 Samuel 18 where he first gives way to jealousy, and then secondly, Saul begins to give way to fear. He he actually has a a reaction that's fearful. But the first is jealousy in verse 8, and then we see that Saul, in, in verse 8, after the jealousy, he becomes very angry. He's displeased. And so the anger of Saul flows out from his jealousy toward David, and that he gives himself over to great anger, and then he's marked by fear. If you look at verse 12, it says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Think about that manifestation of fruit in the man who's supposed to be the king of the people of God. He saw that the Lord was with somebody. And instead of praising God for it and celebrating that evidence of grace, he feared Him. And it was, again, evidence of his heart having wandered from the Lord. You have to understand, Saul, when he was anointed king, They celebrated bank offerings to the Lord and feasted together and gave praise and sacrifice to God. This was a man whom Samuel the prophet had anointed king. But what started out so well began to become more and more corrupt as this man gave himself over to jealousy and then to anger and then to fear. In relation to this, you see it and it's just, oh, it's such a sad verse in this section. If you look in verse nine, it says, and Saul eyed David from that day on. To eye somebody is to begin to just view them with perpetual suspicion and to look upon them with a heart that is no longer for them. It's completely for yourself. And you begin to calculate and look out for how you might be able to do them harm. He eyed David. He viewed him with suspicion and jealousy and it's oh it's so so very ugly and sad and brothers and sisters we are capable of these same sins and they can come up in a moment of time. What's so interesting is it's just the, the daughters of Jerusalem are celebrating over the victory on the battlefield. And and there's this test that comes. And the Lord tests our hearts as well and Oh, that when someone is praised more than we are, may our response to the Lord in private be one of giving thanks for our brother, giving thanks for our sister in the Lord, and may we do everything to lock down and kill the temptation towards sinful jealousy, sinful anger, eyeing one another with suspicion and sinful comparison, And that can be a great sin of both men and women where we see the fruit of this in our lives, brothers and sisters. Where we even see it now. Let us all repent while we have time before we evolve into such a place to where that person becomes our enemy continually. Oh, how grievous and how sad. And all could have been prevented by humility and a true desire to unite our hearts with the will of God. Saul was opposing God, not David. He saw God was raising him up. He began to be suspicious that this is going to be the one, this is going to be the guy that's going to replace me. And instead of doing everything he could to position David for success, he begins to plot after his harm. He was a true enemy to the true king. And brothers and sisters, we have to recognize we are either a true enemy of the true king, King Jesus, or we are a true friend to the true king. There are no alternatives. Are we united in our hearts toward the will of God? Are we submitted to his will, even when it cuts against the grain of what our preference would be? It could not have been easy for him to have the kingdom torn away from him but true humility and repentance. His jealousy over uh, David's role, his future role as king over Israel, his position and status, his success, led him to give himself over to sin. And look at what it opens himself up to in verse 10. The next day, a harmful spirit from God. And we see here that God is sovereign over all spirits. He's sovereign over all of the angels. He is sovereign over every demon. He is sovereign over all of creation. And Satan is a creature. He's one of God's creatures. And he is not a rival to God. God is sovereign over all things. And here we see that a harmful spirit comes upon Him. He forgives Himself over to sin and then He opens Himself up to harmful spirits coming and rushing upon Him. Oh, brothers and sisters, let us take care. Lest any of us have a sinful, unbelieving heart, Hebrews 3 says, that would lead us to fall away from the living of God. Living God. Let us encourage one another, as long as it's called today, so that none of us might be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's life in the local church. Encouragement daily. It's not just about Sunday mornings gathering here, and it's not even just about care groups uh, once or twice a month gathering together and have fellowship. Let us be of a spirit as a local church where we are looking out for one another as true friends and doing everything we can to encourage one another, praying for one another in this spiritual warfare that we are in keeping watch on ourselves, but also having our brothers' and sisters' backs, looking out for them as well. And let us pay careful attention to our own souls. If we give ourselves over to jealousy, if we give ourselves over to anger, if we give ourselves over to fear, it can open us up to greater and greater sin and evil influences. And we must pay careful attention. This is a real battle and a real fight that we're in. Look at what he does. He raved within his house. There's these fits of anger that Saul begins to give himself to. And this, I mean, literally, this is not too long after Goliath, David's playing music as he did day by day. And Saul had his spear in his hand. Verse 11 says he hurled the spear we thought, I will pin David to the wall. And you see this final manifestation is he's starting to commit himself to doing David harm. Actively through throwing the spear with his own hands, but also passive aggressively he begins to work and see how can I position David to get around the Philistines so that he can get killed? I want this guy gone. There's a temptation to just begin to commit yourself to the ill will of another to To not look on them any longer with love and to become somebody's enemy continually and just wish their downfall, wish their harm. It's wicked. It's demonic. And brothers and sisters, we if we're not careful, if we don't pay careful attention to ourselves, we are capable of these types of things. Philippians chapter 2 admonishes us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Saul's the opposite of that in this passage. He's not walking in the spirit of Christ. And he is so committed to his will that he has now come in opposition to God's will and as God's raising up his man, rather than doing everything he can to, to bow the knee to the will of the Lord and submit to him, he is, he makes himself the true enemy to the true king. How sad. How sad. How tragic. And how real scripture is. I love how God's word is just so real about the battles that the human heart faces and how wonderful the Lord is. So the true enemy is marked by jealousy, anger, fear, and a desire to do harm. Every chance he's getting, he's doing everything he can for David's hurt. That's a true enemy. All David had been was loyal, loving, kind, helpful. And yet Saul could only see an enemy because of his own sin. Let's take care of the sisters. Let us do all we can to, even as on this new member Sunday, let us love one another from the heart. Let us celebrate each other's successes and rejoice with others as they rejoice and weep with others as they weep and truly enter in and not just be about our own lives, but to be about. the good of other people's lives, our brothers and sisters. I am not on this earth simply to fulfill some type of mandate for myself or to pursue self-fulfillment. My job is to do everything I can to serve Christ and be the servant of His people and do everything I can to do God's people good and not harm. And it's yours as well but lest if we don't pay careful attention to our hearts, we could over time, having started off well, like Saul, we could give ourselves over to sin and begin to degenerate. That's a true enemy. True Christians are going to have true friends and true enemies. Scripture says, beware when all men speak well of you. The presence of enemies is no sign that you're outside the will of God. Actually, if you have enemies, it's more of a sign that you're actually taking a stand for the gospel. You're going to have people that love you, and you're going to have people that hate your guts. We you can't live life in this wishy-washy, like I'm going to try to please everybody and garner everybody, even the world's approval. We have got to plant our feet on our convictions, on God's Word. And as we do that, and as we herald Christ, we're going to have true friends. And we're going to have true enemies. And we're going to need one another. We see the admonitions in Scripture to To not eye one another like Saul and fight and devour one another lest we be consumed by one another. No, here in the church we are to be kind and tender hearted toward one another. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ has forgiven us, we are to be different in the covenant community of the local church. We are to be loving and kind and to prefer one another, love one another. May God mark us with that kind of spirit for His glory by His grace. I'm so thankful for the love within our church. And I'm also recognizing that the precious unity that we have in the Gospel is something that we have to fight for. And that fighting begins first in our own hearts as we think about, as we talk about, and as we act out toward our brothers and sisters who we are in fellowship with. Well, that's a true enemy. David had one in Saul, and we're going to see that play out in the coming weeks. And just a quick note here, I, you know, one of the things we can grieve over is the presence of true enemies. And, but you know, if all we ever had, or if all David ever had were true friends, I just want to just give this happy, encouraging thought if all David had was true friends, and if all Christ ever had was true friends, but if all David ever had was true friends, we wouldn't have the book of Psalms. We are pressed down into the dust and pressed onto our knees through the difficulties of individuals like this who are committed to our harm. But you know what? Those are times that make us desperate for Jesus. And so, brothers and sisters, God works all things together for the good of those who love Him. That individual at work that is a constant thorn in your flesh and who is making life difficult day in and day out, they are jealous of any time you are making gains and going forward and being a blessing and they are difficult to deal with men and women of the church, as you are out there working and you are dealing with these kinds of things, recognize that the good, sovereign hand of your God is behind you. And He is pressing you down to your knees for your good. Not for your harm. For your good. Oh, well in the midst of that, we see a contrast of vivid, Striking contrast in relation to a true friend. And here we see Saul's son, Jonathan. True friendship comes sometimes from the most unlikely of places and places that absolutely surprise us. And here, you have to understand the context. Jonathan would have been king next. If anybody had cause for real jealousy, it would have been Jonathan. Saul was king. He's already tasted that. Jonathan never got to taste throughout his life for one day what it was like to be king. He never got that role. but all that comes out of him is he is so submitted to God and so submitted to His will that when the Lord has determined to rip the kingdom and tear it up out of the kingdom and the house of His Father for His father's sins, the man that God raises up is the true King. Jonathan recognizes that's the will of God. And I'm going to come underneath of that and bow my knee before the Lord, humble myself as somebody prophesied, underneath the mighty hand of God and trust the Lord. And I am going to unite my heart with this man. I'm going to be his true friend. Instead of jealousy. Instead of fear instead of harm. is genuine love. And that love is so deep and so close and intimate between him and David, and it lasts throughout their life. And I, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get into all this today. I, It may just be to introduce it, introduce us to it. It is so deep and so sweet that wicked interpreters of the Bible have actually gone on to say that what existed between David and Jonathan was an immoral, ungodly relationship. And that is absolutely a lie from the devil. This is true brotherhood, true friendship between two men who are united in their hearts, underneath of God's will and God's cause. Two warriors bonded together in an intimate bond of true brother, brotherhood and friendship, and there's a, a knitting of their hearts between one another. It's beautiful and powerful. There is a mutual trust that marks these two instead of a mutual fear. So instead of jealousy and instead of fear, there's love and there's trust. Oh, the precious fruits of the Holy Spirit. May that mark every single one of us, brothers and sisters. May true friendship characterize who we are. And there's also, instead of a commitment to do David harm, manifested out from his father, there is a commitment to do David good. And I'll just give this one insight here in 1 Samuel 18. right in the beginning as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David how powerful, how wonderful when God does this in a a man's life in an iron sharpening iron relationship or two women coming together in Christian friendship in this type of bond and Jonathan loved him as his own soul and Saul took him that day and he would not let him return to his father's house Oh, what happy days here. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. It seems that this covenant between these two was, Jonathan was basically saying to David, listen, you are going to be the king. I am going to place myself underneath of you and be your loyal friend. I'll be the commander of your army, but I will never rise up to usurp your position that God's given to you. And David likewise promised and pledged his friendship to Jonathan and to his house. Which is so beautiful that even long after Jonathan dies on the battlefield, Saul, or David, remembers the covenant he made with Jonathan. And shows mercy and kindness to his crippled son, Mephibosheth. Even after Jonathan's death. Uh, Brothers and sisters, this kind of love and loyalty and friendship is is of the Spirit of God. It, it, It goes above and beyond anything that this world can conjure up by way of friendship. And I want to talk about friendship more next week. And focus in on this with more detail. But I couldn't help but think as I was just working this message, and I can't wait to get into David and Jonathan's relationship more next week, but let me just say this in closing. We have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we had someone when we were his true enemy, he was our true friend. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you know what our happy future is? If you have repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus, not only are you forgiven and saved and you're going to enjoy this Christian life here down in this earth, but you're going to see Jesus face to face. And I want to close this now by focusing us in on that phrase, face to face, because in Exodus chapter 33, the Lord says of Moses that he doesn't speak to him like he speaks to other men. He speaks to him as a friend, face, face. And I want to just connect this in to the intimacy and the friendship that we enjoy those of us who have trusted in Jesus with our true King, Jesus Christ. I'll stand on it more next week, but I just want to let us know that what we will enjoy throughout our eternal happy future is an intimacy and a sweetness and a pleasure that will be greater than even Moses had in the tent of meeting. With a glory that will far surpass the glory that made Moses' face shine when he came out And fellowship and friendship with his God. We are those for whom God has set his love and affection. And Jesus has said in John 15, Greater love has no one to miss than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. King of kings and the Lord of lords, I uh, drink this deep, my brothers and sisters, my family. He has called you and me, friends, and we're going to enjoy him to to and so. Alex, if you and the worship band could return, I thought we could just sing again that beautiful song that we sung one worship. Oh, to see you. And to rejoice that we are going to enjoy our Savior face to face forever. And the days of life in this fallen world will forever be behind us. And we're going to know true of light with our Savior forever. Aren't you so thankful that while we were his true enemy he was our true friend let's all stand in worship in
1: church oh praise God the scripture says in James 2.23 Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend Paul wrote to the Ephesians and says, It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. Christ's righteousness was imputed unto us. And because of that, brother and sister, we are God's friend. We are friends of God. And He is a friend that will never leave or forsake us. He is a friend that will listen to your cries for help. He is a friend that will hear you when you're sad and down. And he is a friend who will always help you. Go today rejoicing that you have a friend in God and that you are God's friend. Amen.